everybody, and welcome to another episode of Getting Hammered. I am your host, Mary Catherine Ham. I'm here with my baby, who needs to be held while we do the podcast. Such drama. So high maintenance. So if you hear him, that's who that is. It's not Vic gurgling. You can always blame it on me, by the way. Any sort of noises, yeah. people would believe that. Yeah. yeah, that's probably him. Oh, Vic, he's got some indigestion. Here we are for another episode. We are, I am definitely underprepared and possibly overcaffeinated today. We are your morning show for any hour, especially happy hour. How are you doing, co-host Vic Mattis of The Free Beacon? Hello, Mary Catherine. It's like I'm looking at Baby Yoda. He's so tiny. He is so tiny. I took a picture. I'll put it up on Twitter. Adorable and awake, but very chill. He's very chill. He's fed. He's very chill. He's wearing his like mat. This is actually sort of an ode to New Jersey. He's got a oh, he's got a his track little tracksuit. Yeah, I love the tracksuit. I love the tra- tracksuit. A relative of ours once gave us to my son a tracksuit when he was a little kid, like four or five, and it was like Michael Jordan with a little with a little like the zipper has you know the image of Michael. Very the, the outline. That is that is a sought after black. piece. It was black and like velvety. Oh, that a velour. Yes. Jordan tracksuit. And my, uh, I, I had an uncle who gave him a T-shirt when he was three, and it said Caucus Bowl, which I love. Caucus, New Jersey, of course. Doing fine. I saw a video, not of your baby, but of your daughter doing leg presses. Oh, yeah. So what was going on there? That was sort of, that's, you know, like, this is what you do when you're at, I, I'm, I can relate because I don't have all the equipment in my house. I'm not going to the gym. So uh, you got to make do with what you have. And she looks like she may do. Yeah. So my my toddler is like, she's kind of a beast, actually. She's very, she's a little tank. She's very strong. And we brought this on ourselves, Vic. We created this monster because there's a thing you can do. Now, let me just add that the uh, American Pediatrics Association, those, those very, who can't do risk assessment at all, uh, yeah. have recently said that you shouldn't use these, but we used a weighted vest for her when she switched from swaddling to sleeping without a swaddle. This is a thing that's like a normal sleep transition, okay? So you can use the puffy suits, which is another weird thing that they have. They have these baby Merlin suits that just look like Michelin man suits. Okay. The idea is that you sort of still keep them calm and a little weight, it has a like little a, weight, a weight down on them that feels swallowed. like that's what they want. I think that's what most humans right. want. Right. And because Hence they were, the down. Because they can roll, you can't swaddle them because that's dangerous, obviously. Yeah. So you have to transition. Well, one of the ways you can transition is with this weighted vest. It's not very heavy, but it's got like little, you know, sort of bean bags in the front of it that keep them calm. Well, with our toddler, she decided that the weighted vest was a chance to increase her core strength <laughs> and she lifted and lowered her legs in the crib over and over hundreds of reps thousands of reps over many months and that child is very strong and so now she sits while she's occasionally watching her little show on the netflix she will lay under the coffee table and lift the coffee table <laughs> that's what i was looking at and I thought, good for her. Yeah, just she's just putting in work. You know, you know that is that's Steve's daughter right there. So and so many of us, by the way, we go to the gym. I think my general habit is to sort of, if I'm at the gym, it's to neglect the leg machines. When you oh, go you to the gym, do, do you, you can't skip leg so, day? So I was going to ask you, do you? Yeah, leg day. So do you? When you go to the gym, do you do 
all the leg presses. Oh, I love and, legs. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I know. And even the ones that you can use, like I remember doing with, with dumbbells lunges, which I just thought were a pain. Deadlifts are a little bit more interesting, but I worry about my back. Deadlifts, you got to do them right. Yeah. You know? I mean, they all have a cost, right? The, lunges, yeah. your knees, back. For, yeah. And if your form is correct, you're going to be safer, but you're not totally safe because yeah. you're just... Also, who cares about form when you want to just show off the weights? Oh, you know, okay. it's like, okay, let that's me just what we're doing. bend this, curl that in order to get the exact weight. I'll tell you the the one machine I, a couple machines, there's the ones where you lift up your, I think it's for your quads. Yes. And you lift up your legs, right? And then there's the other machine for your calf exercises where you have to lie on your stomach on the machine and oh, then yeah, lift and the it lift. backwards. That's Do you ever the, use that that's one? That's for the posterior chain. Vein. Oh, the whole thing. Yeah, you got to goes right get, up to the gotta, glutes probably. Yeah, you got to get the booty yeah. working. I, that's what that's I for. I don't like using those in public. I think I've, I, I think I've seen too many episodes of Oz. You know, like, I don't want to be in a compromising position. You know, it's really quite, you know, hey, how are yeah, you? Be careful. Yes. Be careful yes, out there. Yes. What What else is going on with you, Mary Catherine? Not that I'm like slowly losing my mind as we adjust to four children, but, you know, yes. we're making it work. The other day I found out that I have a new skill, which is that I can surprise myself with lunch because I went and microwaved some takeout, went into another room for approximately four to five seconds, came back into the kitchen and was like, What's this empty takeout container? Someone has made me lunch. And it was me. Me had made me lunch. And, and I completely forgot, forgot about it. And it was such a treat when I arrived back in the kitchen. Again, probably less than 20 seconds later. But having had forgotten 20 seconds yes. earlier that you had made this yes. for yourself. Yes. That was quite a mystery. I just I was uh, like, yeah. wow, look at me. What a treat. So good. I'm doing that. I'm <laughs> doing that. I'm Wonderful. up a couple times a night. Which I don't think makes me any less so qualified to talk about yeah. the debt limit than any of these other idiots. So oh, we should be fine, right? Yeah. The debt limit. Yes, I feel like your baby right now. Let's talk yeah. about the debt limit. All right. What's okay. happening? You know what? Well, first of all, I, I like the foresight because I think it's it's really June before we run out of extra measures we can take mm -hmm. to forestall yeah. the the coming debt limit crisis. Now, the debt limit thing, you guys remember, this has happened several times. Several. 2021, there were two votes on this. 2011, there was a big showdown where you'll remember the government was shut down under the Obama, mm -hmm. in the Obama years. And there were like, you know, ineffectual guardrails in front of the mall and stuff because you weren't allowed to walk on yeah. it when the government was shut right. down. At any rate, we do this every now and then because we spend too much money and we borrow too much money. And so... At some point, the debt limit is hit and they can't borrow anymore, but they have to borrow more because they can't stop spending money. So then we have to have yeah. a fight about it because Republicans like to occasionally pretend that they care about spending. And Democrats are like, we don't care about that at all. And then they have to have a fight about how to raise the debt mm -hmm. ceiling. And Republicans say, what we need is some spending cuts. And Democrats say, no, you can't hold this hostage. It's the good faith and credit of the United States of America. And we cannot let this stand. And also, we never want to make cuts. Cuts is, cuts are bad. We, we should not control spending. In fact, we should just mint a trillion dollar coin and make it. Yeah, they make, thought about that. <laughs> That's so crazy. I love, I love the arguments that there just should be no debt ceiling. You should never have to confront this problem. That is such a perfect encapsulation of Democratic yeah. philosophy on spending. Yeah, it's very South America of them. So... We're about to have this fight again. 
the newly minted Speaker of the House, mm-hmm. after, what, 15 tries, Kevin McCarthy, is beholden to his constituents and conservative members to say, like, hey, we got to negotiate for some spending cuts if you want to raise the debt ceiling. And Democrats, as usual, are like, no, 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 we don't want to do that. And now we got to figure out if we're actually going to do it. Are we going to do it? Biden says, well, I don't want to negotiate with you guys. And Democrats, I don't want to negotiate with you guys. But they're probably going to have to negotiate a little bit. My gut tells me they're going to. I feel like if we were podcasting back in the 1980s, we'd be having these discussions about, like, the Graham-Rudman-Hollings Act. And just, you know, to what end? Because it just keeps on going. All these people do is kick the can down the road. I know, well, we Okay, so here's my question. Mm-hmm. I understand the argument that, like, oh, raising the debt ceiling is obviously necessary and we shouldn't even discuss it because it leads to questions about our good faith and credit and whether mm-hmm. we're going to pay our debts and Credit's such and such. The big, that's the big thing. But here's my question. If you don't talk about spending when you're doing this, when do you talk about spending? And the answer is never. Yeah. The answer is never. Forever and ever, amen, the answer is never. And we are now $31 trillion in debt, and that doesn't count a lot of unfunded liabilities, by the way. Yeah. $31 trillion yeah. up from about, what, $9 trillion? 10, Something 10 to or that 11 effect. years ago? The, uh, the Republicans, they know that it is in their best interest as much as they don't want to spend more and they want changes to be enacted. They know that they cannot afford... For either the government to shut down or for government default on debts. Yeah. Because it bad. Those because things are bad. Going, because who's going to get blamed for it? Yeah, and who is the media going to blame for it? Yeah. Whenever they have a government shutdown, by the way, you know that you ever notice it, and you just made a, a reference to this earlier, which is the first thing the news crew does is go to the Washington Monument. Yeah. And if they say, oh, these people that came off the bus, they traveled all the way here to look, and they can't go to the top of the Washington Monument, or they can't go to the park. Uh, the national parks, right? The Mount yeah. Rushmore is closed. Thanks for coming. Thanks for thanks, Newt Gingrich. Right. For for all of this, which and, is and that, a lot of just, a lot of right. That's a lot of theater as well, meant to right. create leverage so that right. people have to give in. At any rate, there. Let me let me read to you real quickly because I think this is a helpful mm-hmm. summation. Given that my summation is a sleep deprived one, Liam Donovan, who you can follow on Twitter, LP Donovan, follows these things very closely. And he says, the fundamental problem at play is a mutual comfort letter level based on shared experiences from the not-so-distant past that the sides took very different lessons from. For Republicans, the showdown in 2011 was the signal achievement of the Tea Party, staring down President Obama and forcing the cuts associated with the Budget Control Act. It validated one of the animating forces of the right of the past decade plus, that the party's failures are a result of weak, feckless leadership, and if they fight, they win. For Democrats, including Joe Biden, who as vice president had a front-row seat to the deal, it was evidence of why you should never negotiate under these circumstances yeah. because it enables and encourages a more reckless hostage taking. So that informs both sides' postures, and they are diametrically opposed. Hey, we have a couple months. I'm sure it'll be fine. Uh, you know, as opposed to actual hostage taking, which our own Andrew Stiles in the Free Beacon talks about, you know, the administration actually does that. You know, they, 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 they do little swaps, you know. With- yes. You know, Brittany Griner and, and Victor Bout. But that's that's the dangerous game that they're playing right now because it has to do with the, you know, if you default on, the, the, if the credit rating goes down, right. right, then it discourages everyone else in the world from wanting to invest or park the money in the United States. And then the market goes down and it's all downhill from there. But, and, and again, this is why Republicans are in this bind yeah. because they know how it's going to be taught. It's, it's not that it's going to be their fault, but it's going to, land on their lap 
Although and all they want to do is entitlement. I mean, this is the thing. This is one of the great tragedies of this is, of course, we can never get to entitlement reform <laughs> no. because of this. Because, and if you do do, if you try to do entitlement reform like Paul Ryan tried to do, right, with Social Security and, 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 and welfare, and, and he succeeded, obviously, on tax reform under Trump, but you will be viciously attacked the way Paul Ryan was, like right. that that ad of Paul, the, the, the Paul Ryan oh, yeah, lookalike pushing the woman in the wheelchair the down the, the stairs. Uh, and he's a nice guy. He's a really nice guy, but don't try, even though everyone says we need to do this, that, that, that third rail that everyone's talked about for many, many years now, don't actually want it. Former Senate Budget Committee Chairman Ken Conrad quoted as saying on this point, the hard reality is both Social Security and Medicare are headed for insolvency. There's an opportunity to deal with some of these long-term challenges that are critically important to the country. That's so optimistic, Mr. Conrad. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. Love that thought for you. That is not the journey that we are on, I'm afraid. And even if you're waiting for like a deadline to pass, let's say they strike a deal, right? They raise, raise the debt limit ceiling, and then they're able to say, okay, now that that's out of the way, we have all this time, let's focus on entitlement reform. Not going to happen. Because there's other things they want to deal with. Yeah. That gets to I'm, I'm going to try not to be too pessimistic about it. And by that, I mean, I'm just not going to think yeah, about it Yeah, it's going to happen. I don't think the government's going to shut down <laughs> and just continue to kick the can down the road. All right. It's going to be fun. On a happy It's going to be fun. I do think what will probably end up happening is a few cosmetic little, mm-hmm. like, oh, the, mm-hmm. the rate of spending will mm-hmm. go down one and one half percent in this one area. Mm-hmm. I think even the cuts from that original deal mm-hmm. were clawed back and yeah. then some and the the new york times even has to admit like hey the reason we have this problem is that everyone is content to spend all day long every day and oh by the way the giant bailouts from 2008 yeah and then from the coronavirus put us further in the hole and we will continue to go That's further right. in the hole we're gonna blow through this thing so many more times it's gonna be a blast we're like we're like Elon Musk space travel just through <laughs> through the ceilings <laughs> straight up over and over and over again inspired by Elon. All right, that's right. Well, we can't. You know, I mean, and, and and that was the pressure that Republicans were put under during the trying to get the second COVID relief pack, act passed, and uh, all that money is just being pumped in, even though the economy was already roaring <laughs> back. Let's just put more money in there. By the way, to do anything on Social Security and Medicare, people would have to actually agree that there is a problem. Yeah, and there's this fantastic audio which we'll play of joy reed's show where when confronted with the idea that social security might be insolvent soon she takes issue with that my friend jody arrington who's going to chair budget he wants to look into the budget and also look into entitlements do you know that social security is going to be insolvent in 2035 it is not going to be that yes, is not true that, that is actually, actually not true no it's say. actually not now, joy, true it's actually not true professional. it's actually not it, but it's actually not true the financial community I that's actually not true social that's actually security not true will go insolvent. that's actually not true anyway, just to just to give you an idea of what Oof. what what they're up against if they would like to do any work on this. Yeah, no, I mean, th- and, and, think, and, think, and think about abroad. Think about, you know, think about in France, right? They just had a massive protest, right? Because Macron's government wanted to raise the retirement age from 62 to 64. And we can all think, you know what? If you could save because the pensions are killing them over there, right? It's just sucking all the money out, the, the pensions. And if you think, well, so I can just put two more years in. Nope. nope. Got to be 62. <laughs> Oh, it's fun times. Take it to right. the streets. Oh, speaking of fun times, the DOJ was over at Biden's house. Doing some searching. <laughs> with the permission. 
basically yes. of the I, Biden lawyers. I do, I do love <laughs> that every three days there are more Biden documents showing up just to blow up the talking mm-hmm. points from the past three days, which is, of course, what happened in the case of Trump as well. Right. Yeah. Trump. Trump will saw off that mm-hmm. limb you walk out on every time. And Biden's doing the same, probably more through carelessness than 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 Trump, who's just like, I don't care. I'm just going to change my rationale every five minutes. So the, what's interesting to me about this is now they got they got Senate era classified documents in his house. And a bunch of senators are like, how did that happen? Like even Democratic senators like, Ugh. right. Having uh, been on like the Intel Committee. Manchin yeah. notably declared it. It couldn't get any worse, he said, of the Biden White House responses. Now, obviously, he's from a more red state and is more likely to be critical of mm-hmm. Biden. But others have joined in. Like Durbin's like, Durbin. I don't know why he's got yeah. these guys. This yeah. seems bad. I believe he said it was embarrassing. So they're Senate era ones. So the, the argument is, oh, Biden is cooperating fully. He's dealt with this all immediately, except if they're Senate-era documents, those are 15 years old. Yeah, he's had them for that long. But remember, he's he's new he's new at this. He's only been in public office for 50 years, <laughs> honestly. The idea that, oh, you know, again, the Joy Behar rule, which is you give him the benefit of the doubt, he should know better. Yes. Having been in office for this long. And two things come to my mind. One is his line about no regrets, which is still one of the oddest things yeah. to say. Because nothing has happened yet. It's not like, you know, he gets, you know, charged with, you know, mishandling documents. And then he says, I have no regrets. They haven't even, right. he jumped the gun on this. Well, and he ar- he argues he didn't know they were there and therefore right. he does not know the contents. So how does he, if, if right. he didn't know they were there, he doesn't know the contents and what they cover. And so how would he know that he has no regrets about right. those being out there? Right. He didn't know they were there. By the way, there's no there there. Right. And I can't think of anything else maybe his lawyers might have told him, except that everyone across the administration is being, uh, toting the same line, towing the same line, which is he takes it very seriously. He takes yes. it very seriously. We're finding more documents. And it's, by the way, unclear what the items are or the documents are, the no. pages are not. Or how many. Because, yeah, we don't know. We don't know what it is because they're not telling us. And this goes back to my other big issue is we still don't know why the classified documents were discovered when they were discovered on November 2. What were the lawyers doing when they discovered it? And this whole thing, by the way, about bragging about transparency, saying, oh, unlike Trump, who, you know, refused to cooperate with the archives, true, because he insisted they were his and he has the power to declassify them, et cetera, that said... They weren't exactly straightforwardly transparent, right? I mean, it's like lawyers discovered it. They didn't go immediately and tell Merrick Garland, oh, you you need to come in here. We just found something and this is all up to you now. You handle it. You know, we're not getting involved. They told the White House and then the White House told the archives and then the archives inspector general told the Department of Justice. And wouldn't you know it, that took them two months past the election. (laughs) It's a process. (laughs) <laughs> Which he takes seriously. Yes, yes. He takes so well. give me... Green Jean-Pierre, a, by the way, yeah, press secretary, yeah. bless her heart, keeps saying the search ha- has concluded every day. She's like, the search has concluded. We're good. There's no- nothing else to be found. And then two days later, there's something else to be found. The situation continues to evolve. That's one they should say. Yes. And they don't use that one enough, which is things are evolving, much like science evolves and this is evolving as well. It is really bad, however, when... You see, again, members of the administration giving, you know, 
benefit of the doubt, right? They get the benefit of the doubt. The FBI says, okay, well, the lawyers can just, you know, they can handle, they can tell us, are there any more classified documents? No, there aren't. Okay, great. Which, if you'll remember, that was the Hillary Clinton play, yeah. too. Like, right. oh, her her she lawyers are going to go through it because a lot of this is, you know, yoga related and mm-hmm. Chelsea Clinton wedding arrangements. So y'all don't need to see those. And then eventually it's like, yeah, we, uh, we got all of them. Sure. Where's the server? Yeah. Uh, not important. Trump's Trump's lawyers weren't even allowed to be on the premises when the FBI raided Mar-a-Lago. I mean, obviously, again, a little bit of a different situation there, but still. But it's like, really? The thing is, like, uh, they're not all that different. Right? Yeah. Everybody keeps telling me they're very different. And I'm like, I don't know, guys. Well, you know what? Every day they're getting less and less different. That's As we're right. finding, oh, by the way, you know, the Penn Biden said, oh, you know, it was nice. It's it's secure location. Oh, by the way, it's on the same yeah. floor with, you know, the Chinese CFC, you know, China Energy or by Hunter Biden happens to be staying there. I'm sure that's fine. So, someone was quoted in one of the stories I was reading saying, you know, it's pretty clear. And it was like, you know, an official. Mm-hmm. It's pretty clear we need a we need a process for dealing with these classified documents when someone leaves their current office. And someone was like, there is one. Yeah. <laughs> these people are just too arrogant yeah, to there use There is it. one in place. Right. There are plenty of people who are responsible enough to do this, but they are not in the upper echelons of our political society because our elites are just right subpar. So the other thing that people are talking about is like, oh, it's remarkable how this administration, you know, the lack of leaking, you know, there's no leaks. You would think by now there'd be leaks about what's happening. I think, as some of my friends on, on the commentary podcast would agree, it's less about a really airtight, or I should say watertight, White House than it is about a media that's just not curious. Right. About wanting to know, oh, you know, are there any more documents? Why were the lawyers searching for the documents or how they they come across it on November 2? And Ron Klain, White House Chief of Staff, his departure, is that related to the these documents and this blow up? And also, you know, how did we not know he was stepping down or did anyone know about this? They're not curious because, well, well, a, a good example from a Politico story reporting on this is very, very deep into the story. Many, many graphs into the story. Many Democrats are not eager to opine on the Biden documents. And mm-hmm. several said they would withhold judgment and wait until the results of special counsel Robert Hur's investigation. Mm-hmm. That's how most journalists operate, by the way. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to wait and see. Yeah. Well, they're always saying to Republicans, oh, it's OK if you don't want to comment on this right now. Uh, understandably, yeah. you would want to withhold judgment. We'll just back off. No, that's not how they tra- I just found that hilarious. They're like, yeah, well, OK, I guess if you just want to get back to us, Senator Kane, that'd be fine. The uh, <laughs> little guy's got hiccups over here. <laughs> the, again, it, this works by, both ways, by the way. Right. Anytime, you know, you have to say, oh, it's the baby. Don't worry. It's not me. Also, I can actually now get away with a yes. bunch of things. There you go. Sorry, Jennifer. And say, oh, it's the baby. <laughs> baby must have had chili last night. OK. But there was a very interesting piece, by the way, in The Wall Street Journal about, you know, late night comedians. Right. And mm-hmm. are they beginning to turn on Biden? Right. Uh-huh. And one of the interesting eye rolling, interesting things is Dana Carvey in the piece. This piece was written by I think his name is his last name is Funt. It's not Alan Funt. Alan Funt is candid camera. So it's like Peter Funt or something like that. But anyway, he interviews Dana Carvey and Dana Carvey was speaking to the writing team for Stephen Colbert. OK. And Carvey asked him, and you know, Carvey's basically a conservative and. He said, and he did famous impressions of George H.W. Bush. He a lot of, Ross Pro, he did a lot of impressions. But he said, if 
the president, you know, considering all the president has been doing with his various gaffes, right? And even now with the, the documents and the files and saying, oh, the Corvette, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like it was on the street. It was in the garage. If it were a Republican, he didn't even say Trump. He just said, if it were a Republican, do you think you might be writing more jokes about this? And the writing team for Colbert said, that's an interesting question. Oh, gosh. They didn't say, well, probably, yeah, obviously, because, but no, they were like, hmm, hmm, let's think about this because we know what the answer is. And oh, Bless Dana Carver. That's the Lord's yeah, work right there. It is. It is. And the like it's never occurred to them before. The conclusion of the pieces that, or with the, the people that the, the other comedians interview in this piece is they're worried that the president, meaning President Biden, is too vulnerable now and that any joke, as funny as it might be, about him would endanger him right. or hurt his chances or the Democratic Party's chances. Well, and then the question becomes... That's what it is. Do they want to endanger him? Oh, again, you know, eventually... I will. I will. We go will from, turn a corner. On I know. That. I know because you know this has been something that's beginning to be ongoing on the show where you will bring up the or do they? Yeah. And well, fe February is their deadline, right? Because he said he was going to announce at the DNC meeting in February right. that he's going to run again. So if you were to be interested in illustrating his weakness as a candidate and how he takes issues off the table you'd that are do useful. A, the little document dump now. You'd want to work on it now. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. So maybe whoever's in charge of that effort no, I think hasn't, hasn't gotten in touch with Colbert yet. Between between and the <laughs> next year, there's going to be a time where I'm no longer going to laugh and scoff at your conspiracy theory and say, yep, it's happening. They're ditching him right now. now. I don't actually think yeah. it's a. I don't think it's a conspiracy thing. I think it's more of just there's there it's are practical. There are many yeah. interested actors absolutely who are incentivized mm -hmm. to point out yeah. that Biden's not great and that they might be the future. Particularly of the in parte. California, yes. Let's say, but again, this anyway. Reading about this article about these comedians and how they're reluctant to joke about their side, obviously because they don't want you know they want the you know they're on the they're on the side of the the good guys and they yeah, can't you hurt, hurt them. Hurt you the can't guys. hurt them. If 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 he's unstoppable, if he's on top of the world, sure we can ding him here because he'll be fine. But we can't actually do any actual damage. But it reminded me. I mean, it's just in general about the media at large and their zero curiosity about what's going on and digging here. I mean, obviously give credit to where it's due when other media outlets like CBS actually find out the news and they break it. But obviously, there's not enough of that, and it has nothing to do with really. It has less to do with the White House. It's not like Howard Hunt is in the White House right. with the plumbers. This is this is the media is playing a role. Well, shocking, I know to will, our listeners. Shocking. We will continue. It, this does seem like it's going to to dribble out for yeah a long time. Yeah, that's one of the things I'm interested in. Is like why why is it so trickly? Yeah, like I feel like oh yeah the drip drip drip. Yeah, I feel like you would want to do right. if if you had time, Which, as they mm -hmm. did from November second to mm -hmm. now. You'd want to check everything and make sure you had all the things you were going to disclose at one time. That that makes you think that they actually just don't know that. Like yeah. they don't know how many. It's not like they're hiding it and they were going to just mention that we have other documents here and other documents there. They're just finding these yeah. things out much and, and then trying to control they the probably, damage. They probably made the mistake of taking Biden at his word. Like, oh, no, no, that's definitely all of them. It's, it's cool. As if he would remember that. Well, particularly the stuff from when he was in the Senate. Yeah. Take, so, take neither Trump nor Biden right. their word for different reasons, but don't believe He was don't probably believe bringing these things home with him right back to Delaware. Trump, by the on way. On the Amtrak. Oh, yeah. Trump, by the way, just a brief aside, 
really like Biden is his ostensible opponent. Mm-hmm. Biden is currently shooting himself in the foot. Yeah. And on the exact issue that Trump has with the documents and Trump's over here on Truth Social making racist jokes about Elaine Chow. Oh, is he continuing yes. on that beat, that drum yes. beat? Because, well, I mean, he calls he, he, her Coco Chow. Coco Chow. In, I don't think Coco Chow is also an action. I don't think that's a, a, a person or a character reference. I think that's random. Like, who's Coco? I don't know. And Chow is, uh, he spells it C H O W. Oh, and uh, yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. You know, it's just, it's just Trump. It's who he doesn't like. He doesn't like Elaine Chow and he doesn't like. McConnell, and so he's just gonna Nick throw some trash in the worst out there. Possible way, yes. but like you have a chance to actually go after Biden on a substantive issue, yeah. and this is this is the choice. Well, why do that? When this you is the just choice. Talk like sort of gripes. Yeah, oh. absolutely. Coco Joe, uh, is it racist for me to even repeat that? I don't know. Sorry, I, I guys. mean, no. It's like, I mean, if there was some sort of connection to Charlie Chang, he also puts wife in but. quotes. McConnell's yeah, is, quote wife. wife. What does that mean? What are we doing? Anyway, a really effective candidate is what I'm saying. Yeah, you know what? There are also there are also these new polls that are out that show that Trump is way back ahead again. But it's too early. These polls are so inaccurate. Even they're inaccurate even right before the election. But they're way off now. I think like it's nothing to really get worked up about either way. Oh, yeah. Move it on. We got crime news. Oh. Bad, bad stuff going down. A Lunar New Year event in L.A. tragically ended with the shooting of... Mm-hmm. Was it, authorities have identified the man responsible for a deadly shooting inside a Monterey Park dance studio as Hamet resident Hu Can Tran, 72. He died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound after he had... Is it killed... Is it 10 people? Something like that, yeah. And terrible, terrible news that predictably several... Congress people even jumped in to say before we had any facts, they never this learned. is a hate crime. I am well, all these because all these Asian victims, right? Mm-hmm. I am obsessed with pinning this on my political yeah. adversary. Probably somebody who watches Fox for News. some kind of advantage, yeah. and therefore I'm going to tweet about this before we know who any of the victims are, before we know who the shooter is, before we know any of the. Mm-hmm. The relevant details. Can we just stop that? I know we can't. No, I know we, can't. we can't. The answer is no. But yeah. it's such a disservice because it it's not good. Do for they me. delete their tweets or do they just leave them up? I have because nobody cares <laughs> and they're just defiant. I haven't seen yet if these these have been yeah. deleted. But look, a message of solidarity with that community is one thing, but then to allege something that you don't know is another one. And it's it's bad for the truth. It's bad for the victims involved and their families because you're not giving them mm-hmm. the like any time to process this mm-hmm. or figure it out or to or to focus on what we've lost versus this immediate pivot to I'd like to trash somebody that it's convenient for me to trash when we have no idea what's going on. Right. And if we find out that's what's going on, move ahead with the facts. Right. But this is it's just discouraging. Was, it happens every time. The, yeah. Do you remember the the YouTube shooter? Yes. Who was a woman? Yes. Who I believe was a Middle Eastern woman, and yes. that immediately just got yes buried. Well, and that and that's the thing too is when 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 the media doesn't know exactly what to do with the motives or the situation mm-hmm. when it's not the hate crime that they would normally mm-hmm. turn into national legislation that Democrats mm-hmm. would talk about it. 
they, they don't know how to follow the process. And so that quickly, quickly, those people who we've lost don't get as much attention. Right. Because they weren't, this is like, sounds crass, but it should, they weren't killed by the right person. Yeah. Like that is. That's right. That, oh, it's so unhealthy. And, and, but, and also a shout out to the guy, I believe his name is Brendan Sai, who uh, oh, yes. helped stop the shooter. Woof. Who then took his own life. The, the, the shooter took his own life with a different gun, obviously, later. On the other hand, there were a number of people who were making fun of some of the coverage describing the shooter's weapon. Do you remember this? Oh, yes. They were calling it an assault style an assault handgun. pistol. A pistol. So I laugh, right? I'm like, oh, come on. What is it? It's probably just a Glock or it's probably a Beretta or something to that, you know, a, a 45, something to that effect. And in fact, I literally, I literally said, I said, what, what are you talking about? Assault pistol with an extended clip. I said, what does he have? A Mac 10? It was in fact a Mac 10. Oh, really? Yes. Crazy. Okay. We'd have to check in with Stephen Gutowski if, if that, that categorization is something we can. Yeah, have. no, I mean, it's smaller than an Uzi, but it's the, you ever see True Lies and Jamie Lee Curtis fires the, the, the gun for the first time and she drops it and it goes down right, the right. stairs and kills all the terrorists? Yes. That's a Mac 10. Yes. Okay. Um, so that is, wow. yes, that is different. Yeah. I was really taken aback when I found out it was in fact that. So how did he get that is a whole other thing. But it's very sad because he obviously knew he came there with a motive because it was the ex-wife and it was a dance club and he used to go dancing there and then just took down oh. all these other people. So, I mean, it was, but it wasn't just, it, this is not a random crime, you know, it was terrible. Okay. In Atlanta. Yeah, I was going to say there's other things going on. Charges have been announced for some arrested in protests over controversial cop city and fatal police shooting of activists. Okay, so uh, police have released the charges for six people who were arrested Saturday evening in downtown Atlanta, authorities said, during protests that came in response to a proposed police training facility and the fatal police shooting of an activist earlier in the week. They each face four felony charges, domestic terrorism, arson in the first degree, criminal damage in the second degree, blah, blah, blah. Each of the subjects who range from, range from 20 to 37 years old is also facing four misdemeanor charges. Okay, so this went down in Atlanta. There's also been, there were several media tweets that called it peaceful protest that turned violent. Yeah. It's like, guys, I think once once the cop cars are on fire and there's Molotov cocktails involved, yeah. we can just go can with not peaceful but No, but you gotta, you gotta let people know first, hey, the intention was good. Because, you know, cops, when I heard the story, I said, let me get this straight. Guy shoots a cop. The cops return fire, kill the guy. And that's the reason for the rioting, because you're not supposed to shoot back at the cops. Yeah. Uh, you, the cops are not supposed to shoot back at you for right. shooting at cops. Right. They're supposed to just. OK, uh, got it. Again, again, we mm. don't spend a lot of time like evaluating the actual facts of each of these things. Oh, yes. Uh, CNN piece. Peaceful protest turns violent. The protesters marched in a peaceful manner down a central Atlanta street, but a group within the crowd later began committing illegal acts. That does seem like a way you could describe the Capitol insurrection as well. But <laughs> but strangely, it doesn't get that yeah. characterization. Yeah. I know. I'm, am I being petty? Am you I could, being you just petty? replace the nouns Mad Lib style and then it would still make by, sense. By the way, all of the, all of the suspects in this case are white and yeah. uh, I think six of seven not from Georgia. Yeah, no, they're outsiders. They like destroying property. Chaos, anarchy, but mostly just destroying, destroying property. You would think they would learn. They also had a panelist on CNN, David Peisner was his name, mm -hmm. who also said it would be wrong to characterize this as violent because violent, you know, gives. The well, violence. there's a there's a little loophole where they're like, ah, if you're only if you're only burning cop cars, it doesn't count as violent. Yeah. Like, was there anyone in the cop mm -hmm. car? Like, I, I disagree with that. I think you know, I was encouraged. Obviously, they have a you know a strong governor there. Yes, and he was saying that 
they would be prosecuted to the fullest extent. Yeah, he of the says law. violence and this is Brian Kemp. Brian violence Kemp. and unlawful destruction of part, property are not mm-hmm. acts of protest; they are crimes that will not be tolerated in Georgia and will be prosecuted fully. Yeah, that's right. So that's Atlanta. I you would think that you would think CNN would have learned a lesson after the fiery but mostly peaceful in 2020 Chiron. Well, like you, like you said, it's important to communicate whether this protests mm-hmm. whether this protest was good or bad. Yeah, right. Yeah. Based on the in political, fact, good, based on the political content yeah. of the protest, that will determine. You either the can of, blow up police yeah, cars or right. not blow up. Police also, cars. you can only get COVID at the bad protest. Yeah, obviously. And rallies, so. All right, and then finally, oh, this is a terror. This is a, this is a crazy story. This terrifies me. The story of a a Fox News weatherman. Mm-hmm who was on the subway in New York in a uh, seemingly a crowded car where a couple of teens were harassing an older mm-hmm. man, like a, a gang of six or seven teens were harassing an older man. And the- Trying uh, to light his hair on fire. Yes, attempting to light his hair. That, that's assault, brother, as, yeah. as one. What's that, what's that quote from? That's assault, brother. We went uh, to look into that one. <laughs> <laughs> my brain doesn't work yeah. <laughs> so he's like this guy's in real danger mm-hmm. the the weatherman stands up and says like yeah, y'all can't do that mm-hmm. and then provokes what that's not really the correct word because he didn't really do anything uh ends up the teens yeah. turn on yeah. him yeah and beat him mm-hmm. at which point he is hospitalized yeah. for treatment and luckily is okay because that could have gone very very badly when yeah. it's a Absolutely. lot of people on one who are intent on hurting him mm-hmm. very badly and those teens, three or four of them were picked up, and then they were let go yeah, because of promptly. Yeah, in New York. Because you can't keep them in New York, even if their intent was basically to put this guy is, to sleep. Is there, is there any sort of repeat offender clause where if they went back and continued to assault other people, they would finally be kept? Or do you think they just keep on releasing them because the fact is they're 15 I think, to 17? The, the part about them being minors makes it... My understanding is it makes it very hard to yeah. keep them. Because in this case, there's two assaults. There's the guy whose yeah. hair got lit on fire That's right. and... That's right. This scary. It, it is absolutely scary. Because this, Adam this, Klotz this, is his name. That's right. And, and he's for the local Fox affiliate up in New York. It's one of the scariest things that, you know, if you find yourself in this position and you have to, you know, say to yourself, am I going to get involved? Because, you know, here... Talking about it, you, everyone here listening to the show, you're thinking, oh, I would definitely, you know, stop something bad from happening. And then reality sets in and a lot of people, most people don't. If you see these videos of people being assaulted, what do you see around you? People turning their backs, walking away, ignoring it. I saw this up, up you know, uh, close when I was a kid. We were in New York City and I was on the subway and it was on 34th Street Station and a guy clocks another guy, you know, who was minding his own business reading the newspaper. Everybody got up and went, pushed to the edges of the car because they didn't want to go near the, They wouldn't, I was in the front of that crowd because no one would let me behind them, by the way, as a 10-year-old. Oh, geez. They're like, oh, you know, you, you're on your own, kid. You're safe. Yeah, you're safe. They, they won't hurt you. Because nobody wants to, you know, nobody wants to do anything. And another instance, on the other hand, a friend of our colleagues here, you know him, his friend, saw there was a couple, it was after a Nats game on the Metro here in D.C. They were being harassed by a group of young guys, and he decided to step in saying, hey, leave them alone. So the same thing that happened in the Adam Clot situation, they turned on them, they turned on this guy who was trying to do the right thing. One of those guys had a brass knuckle and shattered his jaw. Oh. 
you know, like, and so you no the price you yeah, the price you the pay price could you pay. be very large yeah. for sticking up for somebody. And I confess, like, how brave am I? I don't know. Certainly less brave if my kids are with me because I'm mm-hmm. more, in, you know, more inclined just to keep them yeah. out of any danger. But it is when you're there in the moment. That's the that's the you know. That's the moment you find out what, you know, I don't want to say what you're made of because God forbid I'm in that situation and I'm running away. I don't know. I'll I'm tell you. I'll tell made you. Made of something not as strong as Adam Clark. Yeah, no, I'll tell you this really quickly. This is goes back to, I think it was like 1982 or so. We were in, in the Philippines and we had taken separate cabs. We were in Manila and my parents, my aunt, my cousin, they were in a cab. Cab driver takes them to, you know, shady part of, of the city where it's all dark. They're not going the right way. Turns out he was going to he was going to rob my my parents and my aunt my cousin. Oh jeez! So my dad's sitting in the front seat, and he sees the guy. He takes out a machete. So my dad's first reaction is to just grab the guy's yeah arm, and they start wrestling over it. And my cousin, may he rest in peace, he was sitting behind. He loved talking about doing all this karate and martial yeah, yeah. arts and stuff. Like oh, he's really he does it all. You know, boxing and he works out all the time. He sat behind the driver. Did nothing. He just froze, you know, and he was probably in his late teens, early 20s. He just stared. He didn't, he, he could have, oh, yeah. whereas there's two of you, it, between him and my dad, they could have easily taken this Doc, guy. Doc Mattis on I know, the spot. I know, but so they, they had this thing and the guy starts yelling, saying, I'm not going to, you you know, because I just want money. My mother's sick or something to that effect. I don't know if that was true. And so they just sort of broke it off weirdly. And they're lucky he didn't like slice everybody up. And, and then he took, I don't know. You know, a hundred bucks or something, and that was it. And and uh, what my, era was this? Early eighties. Okay, so early, under yeah. the Marcos regime, when, when yeah. you might expect for uh, yeah. strange things to happen. Yeah, right. Uh, well, and this this is to me. But I always remember that, like, if you were behind, wouldn't you want to? You know, I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't there. You weren't there. In I the wasn't moment. there. No. No, this is the sort of thing that you know people are who live in these cities mm-hmm. are are quite understandably upset about the increase in such problems. Meanwhile, the city's in charge and the DA's in charge Mm -hmm. are like, these guys can go home. Or in the case of Washington, D.C., recently working on legislation to lower carjacking penalties, while carjacking Mm -hmm. has gone up like 300 percent over 2019. Mm -hmm. And we're like, Mm -hmm. let's just cut down on those penalties. We don't Mm -hmm. we're not we're not doing restorative justice anymore. This is just pro criminal at some point. If you are only involved in protecting those folks. I mean, we had a Washington commander's football player shot. Oh, gosh. While getting his car jacked in broad daylight because he was saying enough. I don't I'm not going to have this happen. Another guy, a doctor was run over by his own car after it was carjacked as well. It was just getting out. People are waiting there, waiting to take this opportunity. And by lowering these penalties, which are supposed to be affected by 2025, just sends the I mean, everybody's getting the message, and it's not a good one. No. We're going to close with something a little happier. We're going to do... I want to get into the Fairfax complaining at some point, Mm -hmm. because people have have tweeted and said, why aren't you guys complaining about about the Fairfax County debacle? And I'm going to. I'm going to. But today I want to close with something a little bit more fun that I just found that I think you're going to enjoy. Ooh, I have no idea. Okay, here's the headline. Quite a headline. Get paid $1,000 to eat cheese before bed in the name of science. Fancy a little bedtime brie, a Swiss snooze, or a Neufchatel nap? The folks at one mattress review site want to pay you to eat cheese before bed. It's all part of a three-month experiment to see if there's any truth to the perception that eating cheese before bed 
will give you nightmares, according to reviewers at Sleep Junkie. I don't know if the, I don't know how scientific this study is. The company so says you can't you shouldn't be on any other medications or drugs that <laughs> might affect the study. Right, right. Strictly you, cheese. You have to get yeah. You have to take off all mm-hmm. of those. The company says they are hiring five dairy dreamers, quote unquote, to eat a variety of cheeses before bed, then log their sleep and provide written feedback on sleep quality, energy levels, and any nightmares they experience. Would you do this? Yes. Okay. Uh, okay. I would say, oh, look, your baby's grabbed the headphone it's, has my headphone cord. Wire. He's got the cord because he's okay, so buddy. strong. He's so strong. Okay, buddy. I would, I would do it to a certain extent. I am concerned about eating in general. I thought this, I thought you were going to tell me this had to do with weight gain eating before uh, dinner because yeah, that doesn't this, work with your fasting. This, no. And this happened to me, you know, I, I had a really good day yesterday, right? I, I, I avoided a lot of snacks. I skipped breakfast. And yet I weighed a bit more this morning, and it's because our good friends, uh, Sue and Rich Covey, had given, and listeners to the show, they gave Kate a chocolate cake for her birthday, and I finished the last slice <laughs> yesterday. Vettable arrangements, a chocolate cake. And maybe that's, I shouldn't be eating a chocolate cake slice. It had strawberry, which is healthy. Right. But Also, we don't live and die by the scale, Vic. You know, yes. there are other victories to be had. That's victory over the chocolate cake. <laughs> so I was thinking, you know what I mean? But this is like what Robert De Niro did to gain weight for Raging Bull. You'd kick your chocolate cake in the middle of the night. Cheese would be different. I can't imagine that. Well, first of all, the weight gain thing, it depends on how much cheese. How Are they giving me a slice, a piece of cheese, I a little square, I'm not or sure like a I'm hump. not sure you're binging here. <laughs> I would say, okay, if I'm not binging, the, you, let me say Not this. only do you get $1,000, you get reimbursed for the cost of the cheese. So ah, love that do they for tell, us. Do they tell you what kind of cheeses to eat? Or you pick yes, your, I think, oh, I think mm, there's a list. Mm-hmm. They, there's a list of cheeses to try. And a, an old study by the now defunct, I'd like to see how that met its end, the mm-hmm. now defunct British Cheese Board. Determined that eating blue cheese caused vivid dreams in 2005. You're not going to believe this. I was going to say that. Really? I was going to say, if they gave you a slice of Kraft Single, <laughs> you know, you're not going to have veggies because that's not really cheese. Yeah, that's but just emulsification. Thing, yeah, as you, could, as, as you know, although it works great on a cheeseburger. But if they gave you Stilton or a blue cheese, all those molds and things. Okay, okay. I think things are happening. That reminds it's, me of The Last of Us. Have you been watching that? No, I'm. You'll wa- find you know out. what I'm watching? I'm watching. Oh, really? You, you'll understand okay. what I mean when you watch it. I am watching The Bear, on Hulu. Ooh, the oh, restaurant. I haven't watched so that one good. yet. So good. okay. I'm okay. Gonna, see, this is now I'm collecting things to binge again. Okay, including cheese. Actually, I got. What sent, about you? What you well, would you would? So yeah. I got sent the other day by a friend my favorite kind of care package because people are very generous mm-hmm. and they send lovely things when I'm coalescing post baby so that I can stay fed and convalescing. The, yeah. You're also coalescing. Okay. <laughs> Words. What do they mean? Convalescing? Yeah, I can do it. <laughs> this is your fault, buddy. Uh, this it's is your baby, fault. Yeah. But I get sent stuff, and one of the things I got sent was a care package that was just assorted cheeses and meats, oh. which is my favorite kind. Yeah, that's me too. Well, and I have like four different nice, fancy hunks of cheese in my refrigerator, which I have partaken in pre-nap and pre-bedtime, so I can report back to you guys. I'll keep a log, and I'll let you know. The check's in the mail. Yeah, who's paying me a thousand dollars? Somebody pay me. All right. And that wraps up another edition of Getting Hammered. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, and you can follow me on Twitter at Victorina Mattis. Thank you for being here, guys. Thank you for coalescing with us. I'm going to go read the dictionary when I get home. This has been a Nebulous Media Podcast. (laughs) 